So today we have a very special guest, Brett Martin, a professor over at Columbia Business School and the co-founder of Kumo Space, an interactive video chat platform. He's also the co-founder of Charge Ventures, a venture capital firm that invests in startups. So first off, thank you, Professor Martin, for taking the time to join the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Seamus. Pretty excited to be here. It's great to have you on the show. So first off, you went to Dartmouth and you're the vice president, raised a couple thousand dollars from local businesses. But then in 2010, you co-founded Sonar Media. And then later in 2013, you co-founded a different company called Switch. So how did you first get interested in business and startups? And what was that journey like? For sure. I, you know, I think it started at a young age with me. My, I was sort of I, I always remember one particular moment when I had saved up a hundred dollars. This was around 1987, 87, 88. And I really wanted to buy a Nintendo and my parents didn't want to buy me a Nintendo. So I spent, you know, most of the year saving up a hundred dollars. And I remember I went to the store and I picked up the Nintendo and I got the cash register and I was looking at my mom all smugly about how I was going to buy Nintendo. And then they told me it was going to be $105 and that $5 was sales tax that I had not accounted for. And I remember at that point feeling very helpless because I did not have, you know, complete control of my financial destiny. And, you know, luckily my mom did spot me that $5 to, to bridge the, the gap. But I remember that and I said, okay, you know, I'm always going to have enough money to get, to get what I want. And so I always was doing, you know, odd jobs, entrepreneurial stuff, selling seashells in front of my house in Ocean City, Maryland. And yeah, you mentioned I went to Dartmouth. I went to Dartmouth as an undergrad and, you know, there we kind of won the Tuck business plan competition. And, you know, always the plan was to do entrepreneurship. So right after college, I, you know, I really just did a, a brief tour of investment banking, did the two years analyst program, got financial independence. And then ever since then have either been building or investing in, in tech companies. Absolutely. And let's start off with your more recent co-founded company, which is Kumo Space. What is Kumo Space and then what problem does it solve? Yeah. So Kumo Space is sort of your virtual HQ for remote and distributed teams. So Kumo Space is a, it's a virtual office where remote teams show up to work every day. And so it's something that combines video chat and video games to com to create a, a place. So you enter Kumo Space and you can instantly see your whole team is there in the morning. You'll see your team filter in. And, you know, we have engineers. So sometimes they're getting in a little later, you know, 10, 11. Uh, <laughs> and you can see where everyone's meeting. You can see if they're meeting. You can see what they're presenting. You can see people coming into the meeting and then leaving a meeting and having little side conversations. And it's just like a physical office. And, you know, why do you go to a physical office? You go there to collaborate. You go there to get some of your own work done. You go, you know, you'll eat lunch in the office to connect with your colleagues. You'll have parties or, you know, presentations or content programming in your office. Sometimes you'll just be playing ping pong late at night in your physical office. And so now that more and more teams are working remotely, you know, working from home or working from anywhere, you know, Kumo Space provides the same thing to those remote teams. It's a place for them to show up. It's a place for them to get work done. It's a place for them to collaborate. It's a place for them to goof off and connect and, and build bonds with their coworkers. So Kumo Space sort of provides all of those, all the benefits of in-person office, but to remote and fully digital teams. 
Absolutely. And you touched on a good point, which is increasing transparency between teams, which can be super helpful, especially in a more remote landscape. But I think one topic that does come up or a competitor is Zoom was able to gain market share back in the day when Eric Wan started it because it worked better than any of the other competitors out there. Now, over at Kumo Space, you have been partnered with some pretty big companies, including Nike and Amazon. But how do you plan to gain market share in an extremely competitive industry? Now, arguably, it is B2B. So, so it's a little bit different, but how do you plan to gain that market share with Kumo Space? Totally. It's a good question. So the way we think about it is, and this is, you know, Clayton Christensen was a famous professor. You probably heard about him, right? He has an yep. innovator's <laughs> dilemma. He was at Harvard Business School. And one of his later sort of theories is that, you know, industries at different times in their development, there's different sort of principles that to win them. And so when we look at video chat, sort of the first wave of video or rather, you know, video chat, video conferencing, video networking, really all that mattered was, did it work? Right. And so Zoom won because it was the most reliable and the most stable. And they did a really amazing job there that, you know, they built out their own infrastructure, their, their ex Cisco guys, they think, right. So they're really good at the networking stuff. And so Zoom won because unlike all the other things, it just, it just worked. And so they had a very monolithic design and, you know, it's like kind of, if you build everything monolithic altogether, it's easier to have complete control over each part. If you look at the next 10 to 20 years of video conferencing, I really hope that this is not, Zoom is not the end of history (laughs) because I, you know, I think there's a pretty clear consensus that people, while it works and people use it, they don't love it. Uh, so much so that there's a a word for it, and you know what do you that word is Zoom fatigue, right? We hear about this. Yeah. We're just like <laughs> we're sick and tired of it. We're bored. We're exhausted. It, it's taxing. It's dehumanizing. It commodifies us, right? And so, when we look at the next ten years of video chat, we think that it's going to become increasingly specialized and personal personalized. And you know, one thing we've learned about building a remote work company is that, you know, the office is kind of like, it's like a one size fits all, right? Like you have one office, it's, it's made of atoms. It's not configurable. It's hard to personalize. It kind of, it's the same shape and size for every person in there, no matter what their function is, whether they're engineer or marketing or sales or what their personal style is, you know, are they introverted or they extroverted, what their life situation is, are they just beginning their career and really want to build a social network or are they, you know, mid-career and and they really, you know, want to be able to get in and out easily to help with their, you know, go home and see their kids, you know, or their, their late career and they have other goals, right? So the office is one size fits all. And, but what we've learned is, you know, with remote work, it's anything but. And so all those different people that I just told you about, all those different functions, what we've learned about remote work is that they actually all have, they have different needs. And so if you're a just out of college and you're, you know, really your work might be part of your social network, you know, you're building your professional social network works very important for that. You want, you really need mentorship works really important for that. If you're mid-career and you have a family, you know, maybe you really want to minimize, you know, you want to be efficient. You want to be in and out, you know, you don't want to be spending hours commuting. And so you know, when we look at Zoom, Zoom is like this monolithic tool. It's really hard to make it 
personalized and customized for each person that's using it. It's kind of one size fits all. And so we we think that the next 10 years of video chat will be incredibly personalized based on who's using it, why they're, why they're using it. And you already kind of see this kind of fragmentation. You see a bunch of sales-specific Zoom tools, right? You might have a chorus or a gong. You see product, you know, product-specific video chat tools. There's people that are, you know, doing it for product feedback. You see all these people basically building these verticalized video solutions. And we think that Kumo space, by kind of using this conceit of a virtual world, it actually is a really expansive design space, right? In that virtual world, you can add anything, right? So in Kumo space, you know, we have whiteboards and we have, you know, Tetris and we have, you know, you can do an integration with your Figma and you can also have, you know, virtual drinks or, you know, virtual games or virtual ping pong. Actually at our hackathon last week, someone turned their Kuma Space office into a, you know, a five minute soccer game. <laughs> and so we think that, you know, Zoom is pretty limiting, like good luck trying to use any more than one app at a time. I mean, Zoom is trying to become right now, they're trying to figure out, okay, are we a product? Are we a, pl- are we a platform? Right. And so they're trying to build this app store, but like, you know, I don't know how many Zoom apps you use, but not that many. It's pretty hard. And so we think there's a really, you know, the next phase of video chat will be won by whoever can build this like most personalized platform that caters to each group. And in part, that the reason why that's possible now is because there's all these companies out there like that do video as a service. So there's Agora, there's Daily, there's Twilio. These are all video as a service infrastructure providers. And so we, you know, Zoom has spent so much of its energy and its time and its money building out, you know, the the core reliability video chat. And so we're lucky as a insurgent in the video chat market, we actually don't have to worry about that because we actually sit on top of all those other providers, which essentially give us the video for free. I mean, we have to pay them, but you know, we pay them pennies, fractions of the penny for video chat. And instead we get to focus on building the best possible applications for all the different users. Whereas Zoom is kind of encumbered by the legacy infrastructure that it has to support for its video chat. And so that's why we think it's a really great time to be innovating in, in video chat. The cost of entry is much lower. And we think the next phase will be won by you know, this like rich personalization layer, not by whoever builds the best infrastructure. But that's our bet. We'll see how it goes. Definitely. And I think one problem that does come up when we talk about Zoom is that even on this call right now, one of the things that I've already had an issue with is that if I got a lot of things running in the background, I'll swipe over to something else. It could get a little laggy. Even though my computer is a very expensive computer, it can still lag some stuff up in the background. Now, with Kumo Space, it's, I believe it's running 24-7. And if it's running 24-7 on a basic machine, how can it not draw a bunch of computing power from the computer while still still allowing enough of the CPU and GPU to be used for other tasks? I think it's a great, it's a great question. And one we have multiple engineers working on all the time. So even (laughs) though we're, even though we're not building, you know, new video infrastructure, we're definitely focused on performance and, and, and reliability, like, you know, to, to your point earlier, Zoom has made those table stakes. I think that you don't always use video. So while Kumo space, you know, we talked about a video chat and video game, our true vision for it is more of just like, what is the best possible communications tool platform for remote work? And so the way we think about it is, 
remote, you know, there's different, you always want the right message, the right medium for the whatever message you're trying to go. So sometimes it's text and it's asynchronous and you want to use, you know, chat, right? And today people use Slack for that. Sometimes you just want to do audio and and, you know, have a quick call, right? So people tend to use the phone call. Maybe some people use huddles, but I don't think a lot of people really use that, right? Sometimes you want to show something or you want to build rapport, right? So you use video. And so a lot of people are using Zoom or Meet or, you know, older folks are using, you know, WebEx or something like that, right? (laughs) So the way we think about it is, you know, what's our wedge, sort of the entry point for Kumo space is, we want to build the best in-person experience. So all the reasons that people go to the office, right? We've talked about that to get work done, to collaborate, to build connections, to build culture, right? We want to give you the best way of doing that, but online. And so we think that, you know, Kumbu Space can be 10x better, you know, than whatever alternatives there are to have for on off for in-person culture online. And then we will basically, you know, eventually bring in all those other, you know, chat, video, audio, and use whatever's best. And so to get back to your question about computer, you know, power performance, right? Like you don't need to be on video all day to be in Kumo space. In fact, we envision a world where, you know, if you're uh, outbound, you know, a more customer facing position, you know, maybe you're. Kumo space experience is primarily audio first. And it's kind of like a walkie-talkie-esque experience to quickly communicate with your team. Imagine you're, you know, out in the field or you're going from meeting to meeting like I am often, and I'm just wearing one of my AirPods and I'm just getting kind of a nice little audio news feed of what's happening in Kumo space. And if one of my teammates wants something from me, I just being passionate, hey, Drew wants to talk. And I just say, you know, yes, Drew, what do you need? Right. So, so we're not dogmatic about the medium. We just want to be the best possible platform, communications platform for remote work. You know, I agree. I think it's a great point. I know even with Slack, the one of the most helpful features that I've had with it is that you can check whether someone's in a meeting if they connect their Google Calendar. And that's pretty much the only indicator they give whether that person's busy or not. And I think being able to expand on that with Kumo Space can be super helpful. But in terms of remote well, work... Well, that yeah. way, I'll just touch on that real quick because what you just said is something we think about a lot about, which is presence, right? What is... You know, we, you know, we think of what is sort of the presence, whether you're in the space or not, how do you have a better understanding? You know, one of the big benefits of a physical office is that you can see if someone's at their desk, right? right. And that's not just if you're a boss trying to make sure they're working, because, you know, who knows, they might be screwing around on TikTok, but you know, you can see if they're available, right? Are they really working? Are they chilling? And you can walk up to them, tap them on the shoulder and quickly iterate on on ideas. And so presence is one of the core things we want to bring with Kumba Space. People are spending anywhere from, you know, six to eight hours our virtual office users are spending six to eight hours a day in Kumo space. And we want them to be present, you know, whether they're sitting at their desktop or if they're on their mobile phone, but we want them to be readily accessible. Definitely. And speaking of, that's a quite a long time to be spending on a platform, probably longer than most platforms out there. And speaking of that, what do you think are some of your plans to monetization if you have some right now? You know, look, we, there's so many ways of 
making money if people are spending six hours a day <laughs> on your platform, particularly if they're business B2B users. So, you know, frankly, our focus has not been monetization. We've, I mean, people actually come and already pay for a virtual office. They already pay for to throw virtual events in Kumo space. Uh, you know, a lot of those logos, we've, you know, people Google through a 10,000 person conference in Kumo space <laughs> last year. So, you know, I guess we're not that focused really for us is we just want to build the most engaging place on the internet for people to work, yeah. for teams to show up. And so I guess the analogy is, you know, if you think about Google, Google got very famous. They actually they made movies about it. I can't remember that Owen Wilson movie about, you know, the 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 lengths to which Google would go to make its office an appealing place to work, right? They had they had cafes and they had free lunches and they had massages and they have nap pods and they have programming and events, right? All to make work a more comfortable place for their employees. And if you think about today's landscape of virtual, you know, remote work tooling, right? Which is essentially Google, Slack, Zoom, right? They're not really yep. fun places to work. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. They just get the job done. Yeah. And we've learned, you know, yeah, there's a lot. You can be very productive with Slack and Zoom. I mean, there's no doubt about it, right? You look at all the stats for, you know, what happened during the pandemic and people worked more than ever, got tons done. And I think people were frankly astonished by how productive you could be with those tools. But what you're starting to see now with the great resignation, the lower, you know, lowest in years sort of employee morale and, you know, employee affiliation to companies is you're starting to see the toll, right? And there's a human toll when you start to commodify workers and just reduce them to a little green status dot, right? You, you know, you start to lose the humanity of it and people feel no attachment to their job and they feel no, because they feel no connection to their coworkers, right? Or the mission. And so you're starting to see the, the cost of the commodification of remote workers. And so I think we're a bit contrarian here in that we want to create a fertile space for people to, you know, bring their personality into remote work, be, you know, be a human, show off, you know, your, your own personal style and what makes you unique, both at an at a employee level and at a company level. And so maybe that's contrarian. Maybe the future is just endless productivity and everyone being, you know, further commoditized and becoming a little, you know, a cog in a remote work wheel. But that's not the future we're excited about and not what we're betting on either. For sure. And I think one, speaking of working in offices and working from home, according to CNBC, companies want workers back in the office at least five days a week. I think 50% of companies want workers back in the office five days a week. And what are your plans to navigate an environment if that does start to become a reality in the long term? So, yeah, it's funny you should say that. We think that, ironically, anyone that's trying to get you know, their workers back into a physical office is a potentially a good Kumo Space customer because, you know, we are actually selling the same benefits as a physical office, right? Visibility, accountability, you know, basically like equity, right? So for employees, you know, people of color or women or parents or any, any you know, protected class, right? Like, you know, remote work gives them an opportunity to to get visibility, right? If it's done correctly, you know, the ability, to, speed of iteration, 
a place to have unique company culture and to share it, right? Those are all the benefits of Kumo space. We didn't make we didn't make those up. We we actually took them from the physical office and we're just trying to provide them digitally at you know a 30th the cost of a, of a physical office, right? So instead of paying, you know, $600 per you know, user per month, right? You know, you're paying 20 or 10 in, in, you know, in Kumo space. And so I don't know, I'm not afraid of that at all. I think people will realize that like haphazard hybrid where you have an empty office for, you know, most of the, most of the week. I mean, I've been going to a bunch of New York real estate, a bunch of New York offices just to see the status. And I'm telling you, you know what I see? I see gigantic empty spaces <laughs> where there's people just doing Zoom calls with their coworkers. And so you know, we're making a strong stance that that is not the future. And, uh, you know, we think that anything that, you know, another Clayton Christensen concept that, you know, the next big thing starts off looking like a toy, right? It doesn't have the same attributes of the thing that it's replacing. And so we think a lot about the virtual offices. Yeah, sure. You know what? It's not perfect today. It's Obviously, there's still some great things about being in person, right? But as the technology gets better and it gets more fun and it gets more human and it gets richer, these, you know, these virtual offices that Kuma Space is creating just get richer and more engaging and, and more fun. And as people get better at using them, you start to see, wow, this is a 30th the cost. Wow, this is infinitely scalable. I can add another floor with snapping my fingers. Oh, wow. I can get, you know, really, you know, interesting analytics and say, Hey, you know, the sales team, who in the sales team is really, you know, connected in the, in the engineering team, like who are the main, you know, connections of inf where information is traveling, you know, the, or, or who feels pretty isolated from their team. You know, we need to like reach out and like kind of support this person. These are all things that, you know, we work talked about, but never really executed on. And I think you're going to be able to execute on it in the virtual, in the virtual world. So yeah, I don't know. I think that I, I welcome the challenge and I look forward to building a, you know, a digital workplace that's way better than the physical one. For sure. And we mentioned a little bit earlier how you co-founded a couple of startups. What would you say are the top lessons you learned from those startups and building those startups? And then what are you doing differently to position Kumo Space for long-term success? Yeah, totally fair. You know, it's funny. I... I feel like I've been working on this same idea my entire career. I just keep, you know, it's just different, more refined versions of the same idea, which is how do you use technology to connect people in new and more authentic ways? And so how do you use digital technology to, to create new forms of human interaction that are more have our higher fidelity and more human than the ones that came before them. And so, you know, if you looked at Sonar, right? Sonar was my first company. We basically, you know, the last big thing was Facebook. The next big tech catalyst was the mobile phone. And, you know, we, we thought, you know, the next big thing was going to be mobile social networks. And so we used all the data on the internet we have about ourselves, you know, all our profiles across LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, we use that to connect you to people nearby in the physical world. So how do you use online information to connect people offline? And, you know, the idea was, how do we just feel at home wherever we go and feel more connected to the person standing next to us? And, you know, in all fairness, this idea was probably 20 years too, too early. Now, <laughs> from a technological perspective, we did it. And when people always ask me, you know, oh, who's going to do something in that, you know, 
proximity-based social networking space. Answer, I always tell them, I tell them it's Tinder. You know, someone already did, it's Tinder. The proximity is really a good signal for dating, not a great signal for work or for making friends. Interests are probably a better vector to connect people based on, on friendships. Proximity is very good for you know romantic r- relationships, right? Um, but if you look at our next company, you know Yang and I built, and I just want to be clear, you know Yang is the CEO of Kumo Space and my co-founder, and you know we've actually worked together on all these startups. So you know he built the Android app at. Sonar, and then he was CTO at Switch, and now he's CEO at Kumo Space. You know, we've been building this, so we've been working on the same idea together. So the next app we built was called Switch. It was basically Tinder for jobs. How do you connect, you know, people looking for jobs directly with hiring managers? The idea was, you know, make the recruiting process a little more human. And then now Kumo Space, ironically, we are actually doing proximity-based social networking again, but we're actually doing it all online. So, you know, the proximity is based on your position, you know, in the Kumo space. You know, in Kumo space, you can only hear the people that are, you know, proximate to you in Kumo space. And it's actually a way of having multiple conversations in the same virtual space at the same time. And so we're using this concept of proximity, but now we're, you know, a little smarter, a little wiser, you know, Kumo space is infinitely scalable. We we're leveraging all the benefits of the internet. It's, it's, you know, we can have a Kumo space where you can have people all over the world. And, you know, even if you only had a 10 people in the same Kumo space, but in they're all over the world, it actually feels very engaging and feels very active. Whereas, you know, sonar was, you know, it was, it was always hard to get density. So I, you know, I really think we're just taking the same idea of how do we create more rich, you know, digital interactions and, and iterating it on and again, and, and hopefully, you know, making remote work just a more human place to be. For sure. And to wrap it up here, what would you say are some of your top takeaways for the audience? And then where can people find more about your startup Kumo space? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you can find us just at Kumo space, K-U-M-O space. SPAC.com. You can grab a free space. You can check it out, build an office, have a virtual event. And key takeaways, just per, you know, persisting and iterating on you know your vision for you know your idea, it comes in many forms. So you have to have the persistence to keep going, but you have to have the you know strong opinions loosely held. You have to not be dogmatic and you have to just keep iterating on on your idea and figure out where it connects with the market. And so for me, sometimes I, if I look back at Sonar, I said, ah, we thought about it. Hey, this should have been a dating app. At the time, we probably should have pivoted and listened to the data. And I think this is the same concept. I want to connect people in new digital means. And so now with Kumo Space, we finally got traction, got users, got growth, have customers, and you know, just keep looking for that signal and taking the kernel of your idea and figuring out where it connects with the market. That would be my main advice to all the young entrepreneurs listening. I agree. Well, all right, everyone, that wraps it up for today's episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to leave a five-star review down below. And thank you, Professor Martin, for taking the time to join the podcast today. It was a pleasure. Hey, Seamus, pleasure was all mine. Thanks for having me. And excited for what you're going to do next. Appreciate it.